Um, welcome, listeners, to this episode of Joy Story. This is just a little uh, note at the start of the podcast to let you know that we talk about some heavy stuff in this episode, um, including uh, the the loss of a baby and mourning a baby and a funeral for a baby. Um, so if that's something that you that is personally close to you and that you might find upsetting, maybe just consider whether this is the episode for you to listen to or not. And do also consider where and when you're listening to this podcast and be considerate of the people around you. Um, that's it. On to the fun stuff. As it started, now it's started. Oh no, now it's started <laughs> rubbish. For <laughs> listeners, Dan said welcome to Joy Story before the recording had started. Like deliberately, well, deliberately. <laughs> yeah, you say that now. I saw it counting down to him. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Joy Story. Welcome to Joy Story. <laughs> that where that synchronization thing works really well every week, I think. Is are we is that where music's gonna come in now? Um I'll I'll decide that when I edit it later on. You have the power of that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do I'm always, power. Well, I I'm think, always curious where that's going to happen. I, I think we've, like, unintentionally got quite a good little work balance with the podcast because I feel like you're the person who checks the emails and gets listener questions sorted, and I'm the person who does the edit. So you kind of do most of the prep work, and I do most of the post work. I've spent so much time prepping this episode that, um, and it'll become apparent how much time we've spent. Well, we have, again, for listeners, we have spent the past 45 minutes talking about what we're going to talk about on this episode. Um, Which we should have just recorded because that would have been an episode in itself. It couldn't because we'd have both like lost our jobs for being uncharitable. Um, for the record, um, I have said nothing bad that would make me lose my job. <laughs> Dan was saying awful things. He was saying <laughs> prejudice against every minority group. He went you through are them. awful. He went through them alphabetically. Dr. Leeson, <laughs> you are awful. Anyway, hi, I'm Dan. Um, I am coming to this podcast today as a psychotherapist and as a huge Spice Girls fan who has just got his Spice Girls 25 album through the post yesterday because it's 25 years since that original album and I have a very clear memory of buying that 25 years ago. Ooh. That's me. I am, Dan texted me a picture of the Spice Girls album and I must admit I initially, even though I, I loved the Spice Girls in their day, I had posters all over my walls and that kind of stuff. Um, I initially didn't get the importance of the 25 25th anniversary CD I was like why do you want physical media in the 21st century and then Dan pointed out that the nostalgia is part of the appeal and now I understand thanks because it's um not that I work for the Spice Girls but it's available on double CD album cassette vinyl so what is it is it a re-release of the first album so it's remastered (laughs) I love that we're talking about this. It's remastered. The first disc is the original album remastered, and the second disc is uh, remixes, demos, and unreleased tracks. Have you listened to it all already? Yes. And marks out of 10? 11. Really? Well, I just love them so much. There's nothing... That second CD could have just been blank for all I care, but it's... Um, it's I, 
they mean so so much to me how would it how does it compare to the actual first album unremastered oh i don't know do you, i mean do you do you love it more than the original and it's the same i know i'm never very good with like oh this has been remastered and isn't the sound great i'm never i can't really perceive a difference yeah i can tell by the fact that you don't have a podcast mic yet um <laughs> Clearly, somebody doesn't give a shit about audio quality. <laughs> because Tim, I'm so focused on the content of what people give rather than the um, I don't know what I'm saying there. Dan said to me off off air about a month ago that if we get to the point where an episode gets a hundred downloads, he'll get a podcast mic. So if that is not incentive for you listeners to share this podcast as far and wide as you can, I don't know what is. Um, so please share it so that Dan gets himself a microphone and sounds as crystal clear as I do. Um, anyway, I have I... To, and I, yeah, and you need to introduce yourself. Yeah, Tim. I haven't introduced myself. So uh, I am Tim uh, and I'm coming to this conversation from the point of view of somebody who's interested in spirituality and theology, somebody who's a hospital chaplain um, and also somebody who uh, my thing is musical this week as well. And kind of about nostalgia. I've recently rediscovered uh, a musician who I really love called Ben Queller, um, who's not super well known, but uh, has really, I think he's done four or five albums and I love him. And I used to listen to him quite a lot when I was maybe in my early twenties. Um, and I can't remember what it was, but something, oh, he released a new album. That's what it was. And I listened to the new album and I really, really loved it. And then went back to all of the old ones that I used to listen to when I was that age. And they just really stand up. They're so good. And he hasn't put a foot wrong. He released one country album, which is probably my least favorite of his albums because I'm not really into that scene that much. But apart from that, he's awesome. And I really recommend Ben Queller. I don't think I love him as much as you love the Spice Girls. But I do really love him. I mean, that, that, there's no question that. Um, I yeah, welcome to the nostalgia music review. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why um, don't we change this podcast into us both talking about music, even though we don't really know anything about music? Are you taking the piss, not knowing anything about music? I, I was talking for myself. You know about music. Yeah. Well, I should hope so. I was going. <laughs> Well, I don't know why I've stopped myself, so I should fucking hope so. Yeah, I was going to say, you're allowed to swear. It's kind of our thing. It is kind of our thing. Um, I've got a piano right behind me. Yeah, that's true. And you're actually very good at playing the piano. And I I feel like I've got to defend my like musical knowledge now. Um, well, okay, yeah, you should. Go for it. Defend it. I've played the piano, Tim, since I was five years old. Um, and I played piano for a musical theatre group. And I write music, and I listen to music. I watch music. I, I, all I, I, I used to take like piano exams, music theory exams. I did music GCSE and A level, music tech, and so yeah, I know my so, shit. Tim. Yeah, I do. I do wind back my comments. I don't really know anything about music. I know what I like, and I listen to music, and I love music, but I don't really have any uh, musical training and. Anyone who is a proper musician would look down their nose at how much I know about music. That was one of the things when I was working for a cathedral, obviously cathedrals have a musical tradition. And so there were loads of proper musicians at the cathedral all the time, like who really knew their stuff about music. Um, and I like, I'd walk into the office and they'd be talking about I don't know, like 
Mahler or some some composer who I don't know, like not even one of the well known composers, not even like Beethoven or Mozart, some like fucking like unheard of obscure Flemish composer from the 16th century or something like that. And I'd be like, Have you guys heard Ben Queller? <laughs> I remember his country saying, album, but these other ones are really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I want um. So have you heard of Ben Folds, Ben Folds 5? I love Ben Folds. So good. So do I. I really love Ben Folds. And I remember having a conversation with one of the music team at the cathedral and being like, oh, yeah, he's great. He's a really, really good pianist. He's brilliant. And I was like, here, check this out. And I played the guy a couple of tracks. And he was like, all of these songs are in the same key. I was like, Um, Right. Well, I'm going to stop you there because they're not. Um, Well, it just happened that the two I picked were Right. Well, maybe. I mean... There aren't that many keys that exist, by the way. So no, there's only eight. Well, no, not really. Uh, see, that's how much I know. We need to move right. off music because I feel like I'm just going to increasingly humiliate myself on this conversation. I do feel like, though, there was a bit of judgment being cast about um, either my love of the Spice Girls or the Spice Girls as a musical act by you saying we don't know our shit about music after I'd said I like the Spice Girls. No way, man. I... 100% refute that. Uh, not even sarcastically, I was not judging your love of the Spice Girls. Well, I'm glad to hear it because that would be bullshit. I g- genuinely, hand on heart, I think the Spice Girls are awesome. Um, I don't love them as much as you do. I don't know enough uh, as much about them as you do. But like I watched that Channel 4 documentary series on about the 25th anniversary and they're so good. And like, musically like their songs were great they just like nailed those like pop anthems and also just the message the like the girl power the empowerment all that kind of stuff and like it's funny because at the time when they came out we're probably i think like similar sort of age i guess i was maybe like 11 12 something like that and the girl power stuff kind of passed me by i kind of knew it as a bit of a catchphrase but then watching that documentary uh on channel four or whatever it was um like they really lived it like they really like got up in the face of like chauvinism and that kind of stuff. So hundred percent, I refute that I was being sarcastic about your love of the Spice Girls because I'm fully on board with the Spice Girls. Tim, I wish that you could feel the joy I'm <laughs> feeling right now for having just sat here listening to you talk about the Spice Girls like that. It's made me so happy. Good, I'm glad. I, I do mean it. And actually, I think like snobbism sucks like snobbism is such a toxic horrible thing and i think people are often like again like proper music people i'm doing air quotes for people who can't see um you know people who are into obscure composers and that kind of stuff can be dismissive of the spice girls or pop music or whatever it is and I just think it like like it like the phrase guilty pleasure, you know, yeah. like don't don't have guilty pleasures, just have pleasures. If it makes you happy, it makes you happy. Like I if your pleasure hurts someone, then maybe you should feel guilty about that. <laughs> like if your pleasure is abusive or something, then that's a different thing. But if your pleasure is like Love Island or the Spice Girls or something that snob like snobs will tell you is shit then fuck those guys. Like, just listen to what you want to listen to and watch what you want to watch. And, like, if it's meaningful to you, it's meaningful to you. Fuck those guys. Um, yeah. yeah. 
and the Spice Girls. Um, welcome to the Spice Girls podcast. We're, we're going all over the place. Um, <laughs> yeah. I um, I love that we're talking about the Spice Girls. And for anybody that knows me, they'll know how much they do mean to me um, and the joy that they continue to bring to me for 25 years. That's um, That feels bananas that I've had that in my life for 25 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I guess maybe like my equivalent of that and i know that you love this too would be like comic books and marvel comics and that kind of stuff like like there are highbrow comics out there and some of them are brilliant and i really love them like really kind of intelligent thoughtful challenging comics and then there are like just kind of disposable superhero comics you know where spider-man fights dr octopus and obviously wins because he yeah wins. he does and like literature snobs would look down their nose at that kind of thing because it's 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 pulpy and it's silly and it's disposable but i've loved spider-man since i was five years old and there's something there is something meaningful to me about spider-man i remember once talking to a therapist over a few sessions about what spider-man represented to me um and the fact that it's not high culture whatever that means is completely irrelevant. It's like, it makes me happy and it communicates something to me and it tells me something about myself. Like, and the fact that snobs look down on it, I couldn't give a shit about. Yeah, no, that snobbishness is horrible. I've had a lot of conversations with this, about this with different people over the years. And like that, I know like when you're at school, like often music, your love of particular music can be where you find like your tribe of people at school um, or like similar interests and stuff. And yeah, no, people can get very snobby. And I was known at school for like being the person that liked the Spice Girls a lot. And like people kind of ribbed me a little bit, but nothing too much because people just kind of knew that I loved the Spice Girls and that was kind of that really. Yeah. Um, but people can get very snobby about it. And because um, I also love musical theatre and my people can get quite snobby about that as well. And yeah, I mean, just fuck it really. Like what, yeah, what is it? that brings you joy and happiness and why what is that maybe that's something for us to explore another time what is that snobbishness like what because I don't really understand how you'd look down on a particular kind of art form or band or music or what like where that comes from yeah it's and I like I'm guilty of it and I was Mm. definitely guilty of it in my early 20s like in my early 20s I was trying so hard to be like you know, into obscure indie bands and that kind of stuff because everything mainstream was really shit. Um, and like one of the ways in which my snobbishness used to manifest itself was in like grammar pedantry. Like, so I'd like, same. I'd be the person who'd like correct people spelling mistakes on Facebook same, comments same, and that same. kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I went out with somebody, I dated somebody for 10 years who is dyslexic and struggles with spelling sometimes. And seeing people do that to her made me so angry because I was like, oh, fuck you, man. You know what she meant. The fact that she spelled you're wrong, you know what she meant. And actually you're you're dismissing her whole point because of the way in which she spelled a word. Um, and it really turned me against like grammar snobbishness. But, it, but that, like I used to do that all the time. Like, I don't know what um, it is. It's something about wanting to elevate yourself above other people somehow. Um, I think it... I think you're probably right with I used to have that really like yeah really badly um correcting people's grammar and spelling and like if I notice a spelling mistake or a grammar mistake now I still notice it like it's still like I yeah. notice it really clearly but like it I couldn't give a shit really because as I said earlier about like the microphone or being remastered I'm more cons- I'm more bothered about what's being said that's than, right like than the 
perfections with which it's said, you know, I just don't think that's as important. I do think it's important that I get a microphone at some point, by the way, but I agree. Um, <laughs> I, um, before we carry on with that, I wondered if I could read uh, an email out which we got some feedback on the podcast. Uh oh. Um, yeah, you should worry. Fuck. Because it, it starts of... with Tim is a dick. No, it doesn't start with anything like that. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, good. It's a really nice email. And this email comes from Kim, Kim Sobers. And Kim um, is somebody I met. Um, Quite recently, she goes to a dance class that I, a hip hop dance class that I go to, and uh, she's been listening to our podcast. So she emailed us and she says, Hi, Dan and Tim. I listened to all three episodes today, and some key points hit home massively. Helping others to find joy, even if you can't find it yourself. I never thought about it this way before. I'm a person who loves to spread joy, even when I'm struggling to feel it myself at the moment. I nearly sobbed when Tim discussed people passing away alone. That broke me, but it allowed me to think about everything on a much deeper level and how we can add joy to other people's lives and how this can add so much value to our own. It's like this triggered another part of my mind to see things in a much different way. Also, when Dan mentioned the moment he realised that things cannot get any worse than it did at his lowest point, and that felt like pure joy and it was amazing. It's like that sentence helped me to realise that I'm not stuck in a dark place and I can't feel worse than this and I felt a flicker of optimism and light for the first time in a long time. Also, Dan mentioned that the hip-hop classes bring him joy, but he needs to know that he makes the classes so great and he makes others smile too. People keep doing what you're doing. It kind of feels like therapy. Sorry, please keep doing what you're doing. It kind of feels like therapy. I'm currently handling some unresolved issues that have been suppressed for so long. It's nice to hear others speak about it too. P.S. He's also really good at dancing. Thanks, Kim. Oh, that's lovely. Kim, thank you so much. No, genuinely, thank you, Kim. It's such a nice message. Um, It really is. uh, And I felt such a sense of cringe reading about myself um like that maybe that's something else for us but like you know when you receive kind of compliments yeah yeah whether they fit for you or not and yeah uh, whether you because I like would want to validate everything Kim said there but like I don't go to that dance class thinking that I make that class good or make people smile or that I'm good or you know I don't so those things are quite like fit um but it's lovely, also lovely to to hear and try and um, internalize some of that stuff. But you know, it's a beautiful email. Thank you so much. And I'm so um, sorry that you, there's still a lot of stuff that you're struggling with, Kim. And I hope that some of the things we talk about might be able to, I don't know, help unpack or trigger some kind of conversations or thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. um, but you are a superstar, Kim. So yeah. keep keep swimming. Just keep swimming. It's, it's really lovely because, I mean, uh, we, well, I think we've been quite open in this podcast that the main reason that we do it is because we enjoy hanging out together and it's fun to chat for an hour. Um, yeah. And the fact that sometimes people listen to it is kind of a bonus. Um, you know, it's not, I certainly don't have any grandiose ideas about this podcast changing people's lives or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's, it's fun to do and it's topics that I care about and I'm interested in and with a person who I care about and I'm interested in. Um, so when like getting little bits of feedback like that is awesome because it's like, oh, that's, I wasn't expecting for that to happen for anybody, for it to be meaningful for people, but 
if it is, then that's really cool. That's a really, really lovely feeling. So yeah, just to echo what Dan said. Thank you, Kim, for sending that. That's uh, it's really well, cool. Whilst you're echoing me, I want to echo you back now after what you just said because I, I think that's right. Like I, yeah, the the main function for me is is maintaining maintaining some uh, hanging out time with you, Tim, and, and capturing that, and then we share it. And yeah, if people listen, great. But yeah, and if, if it also then ends up helping in any kind of way, that's that's amazing because basically what we've done is got together and had a chat uh, mm. about things that we love and some like difficult stuff, but we get kind of joy through or from. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it is, it's, it is lovely to hear. And we would encourage people to get in touch uh, with any kind of feedback. It doesn't have to be that kind of feedback. It can be anything. You can tell me my sound is awful and that I need a microphone. Yeah. Um, you could be <laughs> snobby about our music. Um whatever yeah, well, don't be a dick like email us your feedback but don't be like i don't i don't want to get dickhead emails well i you're not the one that checks them so <laughs> that's true yeah yeah but i don't want you to mediate dickhead emails <laughs> for me either <laughs> um, if you do want to get in touch you can email us at, at joystorypodcast at gmail.com i forgot that once and now i feel like that's every, every every yeah that's right <laughs> yeah yeah you're right i had one little gonna... brain blank and now it's yeah. like tim never remembers <laughs> yeah i'm gonna smash you around the head with that every time <laughs> that's fine that's fine what are friends for if not to abuse each other for their mistakes <laughs> <laughs> you are right though and the fact that you've just pointed that out makes me feel like there is a small vulnerability in there of like i only forgot this once man like leave me alone it's the, the, there probably is slightly because i was always like especially growing up like people would talk about like me being absent-minded or whatever, because I would always forget everything. I'd leave my coat behind or I'd forget the important paper I was bringing to school or whatever. And so now I have this slight insecure, like, I think actually I'm like actually quite an organized person, but I still have it in my head that I'm a very disorganized, forgetful person, even though I don't think that's true, just because that's something that I kind of grew up like hearing. Um, so I'm only joking about the, <laughs> the, yeah, but, the email address, but there is something there. But that's helpful for me to know that, like, and to, because I am feeding into that potential narrative you have of uh, of me saying that, oh, you never remember the email address when, in fact, I set up the email address, like, and then just kind of on the spot on the podcast said, "What's the email address?" and you don't know it, and that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's harsh. Not... <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm, I'm being a bit of a dick with it. <laughs> No, you're not. We're it's just banter. But the, but yeah, like the, the oh, probably is a little bit of. Oh, uh, don't use that word. <laughs> no, well, but it, like, uh, uh, well, what I'm trying to say is I'm not wounded by this. Not um, yet. Like, <laughs> well, how bad is it going to get? Let's <laughs> <laughs> open up a can of worms. If we have like a full blown um, argument on the podcast because you can't remember one fucking email address. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'll be like, I know, I can't. I'm trying really hard. (laughs) (laughs) But then, like, I have no, I wouldn't have no idea how to edit this. Like, um, you do all that stuff. And I have no, I want you to teach me because I don't know how to do any of that. Yeah, I will do. At some point when we hang out in real life, we'll do that. Well, speaking of. Yeah, Dan and I were going to hang out in real life last weekend. Um, We were going to go to a really cool thing at the Tate Modern where there's like they've got a display at the moment with like cool floaty flying robot balloon things that I was really excited about seeing. 
and really excited about seeing with somebody who I think would also share the excitement, that person being Dan. And then Thursday night, uh, I didn't sleep because I had the most horrible toothache and I spent the next five days, like basically crippled by toothache. Um, and now I've just finished the course of antibiotics, which have dealt with the pain, but now this Friday I have to have a root canal. Woo-hoo! So I'm going to be finding joy in, uh, uh, I'm not going to be finding joy. That's what I'm trying to the say. Joy comes after it. The joy comes after it. Yeah. Once it's over, that'd be awesome. I can't wait for it to be over. What Have you ever had root canal before? I haven't. So, so maybe you will find joy in it. Well, that seems unlikely, doesn't it? I, I, doubt, I doubt you're going to find any joy in it. Yeah. I've, I've had <laughs> and um, I didn't find joy in it. But like some people might. Some people have a strange pleasure, pain threshold thing. Uh, are you suggesting that I might discover a new kink that I wasn't aware of while I'm I mean, rude now? <laughs> so I didn't say anything about kink. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, <laughs> Turns out I'm really into dental work. <laughs> God, can you imagine if that was something that like you enjoyed and uh, just because there's something about the dentist and I know it's isn't like a unique take on anything that like oh the dentist is a horrible thing to go to but um that kind of invasion of not only your personal space but like inside your face yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um it is and then doing things that aren't too pleasant but I am pleased you've got it and that hopefully that will resolve the issue and then you can hopefully find some joy after that yeah and and even more importantly then we can hang out and go do that thing at the tape modern and i was really disappointed and stuff. i was really disappointed that we didn't get to hang out last week um because so was i well i mean we've probably mentioned it but like tim and i've never met in in real life yet um so and I'm a bit anxious about that as well as like, I was super excited to like meet you last week. I think you were more excited to see dancey floaty robots than, than meet me, but I, it's I equal. was, it's, they're on an equal footing. Yeah. So for me, they definitely weren't <laughs> on an equal footing. <laughs> like, that's something I'm keen on seeing. Um, but I was super excited to meet you and anxious to meet you as well. I'm, I am going to be nervous when I meet you. Um, so yeah, I was super disappointed that we didn't get to do that, and really looking forward to when we can, and hopefully it can be something also injected with a bit of Christmas in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I think that that display is on at the tape for a while, so maybe they'll have festive robots with Santa hats and stuff. Even if they don't, which I don't think they will, um, then there's going to be Christmas around everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can't um, get away from it. And I fully appreciate Christmas does not bring everybody joy. In fact, it can bring a lot of misery for a lot of people. But I fucking love Christmas. Like, yeah, actually, do you know what? I was thinking about this. I think this time last year is when you and I first started actually kind of talking. And it was about Christmas because we both love Christmas, but we have slightly different views on it because you were like, you were up for starting. That's right, because we had a movie club at work and you were up for starting the Christmas movies like in july and <laughs> my thing is like i i prefer like a i like christmas to be contained within december because that makes it more special to me like if it's like yeah. shorter whereas you were like christmas all year round all right let's why stop down. having christmas let's calm down a bit um <laughs> i am not advocating for christmas all year round however I do like to start kind of Christmas stuff first of November. So that's the day this podcast will be coming out. I I will start wearing 
Christmas jumpers that day on the 1st of November. I, I was on mute. I was going to say, I remember that. Yeah, I remember you wearing Christmas jumpers to work. Um, yeah, and I will be on Monday, on 1st of November. I'll be wearing, that's when I start Christmas. I won't put all like decorations and everything up. That'll be like the last couple of weeks in November. I'll start putting stuff up. I've got a, um, I bought a new Christmas tree for my office last year and it's going to be Star Wars. I've got all Star Wars Christmas decorations for that tree. Of course. Um, so I'm going to have are Star they, Wars. Are they like Christmassy Star Wars decorations? Maybe you'll have to wait and see. Oh, how exciting. What I'm imagining getting... like Yoda in a Santa hat. Uh, you might be disappointed. Um, it's... Luke Skywalker in the manger. I might have a baby Yoda with a Christmas thing on it. Um, I can't honestly. I can't remember what I bought. I just know I got a lot. What I really wanted, which I couldn't find, was some like lightsaber lights for it. Um, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I couldn't find anything like that. But um, so yeah, I fucking love Christmas so much. And but it is also really special for me, and I do try and contain it to a certain amount of time. Like Boxing Day, it's all gone. Boxing Day, I put it all away. It's all gone. That's right. I remember having this conversation with you as well because for me. And this is partly for religious reasons. Twenty hmm. fifth of December is day one of Christmas, hmm. and then Christmas ends on the sixth of January, twelve days later. So, and actually, this is—I mean, you know—and people who listen to this know that I'm critical of religion um, in lots of ways. But one of the things that I really love about, particularly my Anglican religion, actually, and it's rare for me to compliment Anglicanism, but here, here it comes. <laughs> is ready ready i think we need to build that up a bit more yeah <laughs> everyone buckle in here comes a nice thing about anglicanism <laughs> i feel like we need a little theme like a little jingle for it <laughs> yeah um i'll do that in post <laughs> i won't do that in post um uh yeah that you have there's a um a religious calendar that gives you seasons basically during the year um, so you have generally around the 1st of December, that's, it varies from late November to early December, you have the season of Advent begins, and that's a season of waiting. And then you have Christmas for 12 days, and that's a season of celebration. And then just a few months after that, you have the season of Lent, and Lent is a season of like self-reflection and clearing out kind of clutter from your life and that kind of stuff. And I I really value in my religious practice that there are these kind of almost like demarcated seasons. Obviously that's not to say you can't celebrate outside of Christmas and you can't self-reflect outside of Lent, but you've got these committed times of year where it's like, this is the time where we think about self-improvement and self-development and that kind of stuff. And this is the time where we think about the importance of waiting and how it feels to wait and that kind of stuff. And that that's really meaningful to me. I really like that. And actually, because I've not been to church a huge amount in the past year because of COVID, Generally, I haven't really missed it. I've quite enjoyed having a lion on Sunday mornings, but that is one thing which I do miss um, is is those those special seasons. Um, nice. Yeah, on the religious calendar. So, I've, I mean, I was going to say obviously, maybe it isn't obvious, but like Christmas is nothing to do with religion for me, um, even though it clearly also is because it's like, I, origins, I guess, wise. Sure. Um, but so. And I say, like, I wait until the 1st of November. I have already listened to a couple of Buble Christmas songs in October. <laughs> so um, it's already started creeping in a little bit. Christmas creep. I, I'm like, 
I was going to embrace that for a minute, um, and then had a second thought. Do I want to be the Christmas creep? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not. I wasn't saying you're the Christmas creep. No, I know. I, was saying... <laughs> I, was, I know you were. I was going to then apply that as a like. Oh, I could like embrace that as like a label. Um, but yeah, um, no, no, don't, don't. Probably don't want it. it. Yeah, you're right not to. I'm the Christmas creep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm. I am. I do love. I, so I love. I know you haven't asked me, but I'm going to answer. Like, what do I love about Christmas now? Um, so, hang on, hang on, Dan. What what is it that you love about Christmas? Well, that's a really interesting question, Tim. So, um, what I love about Christmas is um, the music. I love all the decorations. I love the smells and the tastes associated with Christmas. Mm. So that's another thing. Actually, I've always Cinnamon. already got. Well, I've got like a yeah. So I've got a Christmassy thing in my car actually that I picked up from a garden center a couple of weeks ago um just to like make my car smell nice but that's a Christmassy thing it was uh like orange and cinnamon um oh it smells really good um I'm actually also using like this I'm showing Tim that Christmas tree oil in a diffuser in my office Christmas tree so Christmas Christmas creep is definitely happening already yeah so then it's going to be more obvious from the first of November with the Christmas jumpers um, and I do all this and embrace it and love it. And I am kind of almost like known a little bit. Like people, someone sent me a picture of them eating a mince pie yesterday because they knew I just, I would get a kick out of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's the other thing. So yeah, the food, I love baking. I love uh, making uh, Christmas puddings and mince pies. Um, but I also do acknowledge, and I know I've already said it, but a lot of people find Christmas a really difficult time of year and can be quite a miserable time. I do worry a lot for over any kind of school holidays really for young people when a lot of young people go back home and maybe don't have like the structure and support and mm. uh, validation and relationships that they might need. Um, it's getting all very serious now. Um, but there's a lot I do love about it. And whilst also acknowledging it's not the easiest time for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I do love buying presents for people, but it's not really like about that, but I do enjoy getting stuff for people and finding I guess getting to know people and then being able to surprise them with something that I know they like. And what I hope by doing that is that that person feels that I have them in mind and that I understand them or know them well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like that about getting people stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, um, the, well, like I said, the, the, so, the religion part of Christmas is really important to me um, and is really meaningful to me. Uh, but Christmas itself, it, it, as like a, as a holiday. And I guess in terms of the stuff that you've just described is something which I um, don't massively have strong feelings about one way or the other. And I hmm. think that's primarily just because I'm a single guy who lives alone actually. So it's not, it's not a like it's not like a miserable time of year for me. It's not like a time of year where I feel like oh everybody's so happy and I'm not like I don't feel that way at all. I th- I put a silly voice on then and I wish I hadn't because that is quite dismissive to people who do feel that way and that's a really valid thing to feel. I I don't mean to be dis- I just that's not that's not how I feel. But it's something that almost kind of passes me by a little bit. And I love the idea. Like I would really like to have kids one day. Um and. I'd like to share my life with somebody, you know, to have a partner to share my life with. 
And I love the idea of all of the stuff that you've just described with a family around me, you know, with kids, with a partner. Um, but at the moment, Christmas just kind of feels a little bit like, or, or the side of Christmas that you've described, I should say, sorry, feels a bit like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's cool. I don't mind it. Um, it comes and it goes. Um, someone asked me the other day whether I was going to decorate my house for Christmas. And I was like, like last year I didn't, but then last year was COVID. So last year was last year sucked last Christmas. I couldn't even see my family because of social distancing stuff. Um, so I kind of felt like, well, what's the point of me putting up a tree if I'm the only person who's going to see it, you know? Um, and I had to reflect a little bit on like, am I, will I decorate my house? I can't figure out whether it feels sad to decorate something when I live by myself or whether it feels more sad not to decorate it. Well, I guess it depends how that might make you feel like it, rather than, will the perception of this for you or others be like, this is a sad thing to do? Like, do, do you need other people to see it? Would you like it if it was like, cause I guess for us, like last Christmas, it was only me and my husband that saw our Christmas tree. Like we have, I we bought even more. Like, I think we've got something like eight Christmas trees now, but like they, they all be, <laughs> the only people that see those were so last year were, were Greg and, and me and Norma, but um, like no one, no one else saw them. Um, yeah. And they, I wake up every morning when they're up and they bring me a lot of joy all day. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, just, it's, it's very personal, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. And that's what I mean. Like when I say, is it sad one way or the other? I don't mean, will other people think it's sad? It's more like, how will I feel about it? Like mm. there's, um, yeah, I guess there's a sense of like, on some level, does a Christmas, does having a Christmas tree, remind me of the stuff that i wish i had by now that i don't have do you know what i mean um yeah that's a bit oh. heavy for a podcast about well, drive, but it's could the reframe, you could reframe yeah. that as a, a beacon of hope for what you hope to have yeah yeah that's true that's true yeah 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 um, um and that folks is how you find the joy uh yeah. <laughs> and that's the podcast done with, with <laughs> yeah problem solved <laughs> Anyone who was feeling lonely before, now you're fixed. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions to joystorypodcast at gmail.com. You remember the email? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for once. There's a first time for everything. <laughs> so we're, we're nearly 40 minutes in, and um, we were going to have... Um, a question that we were going to answer. I am going to acknowledge this, Tim, if that's all right. But, um, yeah, go for it, go for it. We were going to answer a question about um, something around like the joy of, or not even the joy of, but if joy comes into it, like making friends and specifically for us, making male friends as an adult and the joy that can bring, the vulnerability within that, the vulnerability of expressing to other adults, things around friendship and uh, reciprocal friendships and how does that all. So we were going to, do that as our main topic today and we're I think gonna still do that next time I hope but I think it'd be a really good conversation the only reason I'm bringing that up is I, just, I think I just want to acknowledge it I, I'm in a a bit of a vulnerable week with some of that stuff um so I didn't feel like it would be um the best time to have that conversation or maybe it would have been an interesting time but I I for um I mean, I feel lots of things about the term self-care, but in terms of looking after myself or being kind to myself, I propose we moved it back so it would be a hopefully a more joyous conversation mm -hmm. next time. And that's not because 
Um, I'm not getting joy from friends and friendships. I definitely am a lot, a lot, a lot. There's just some kind of surrounding stuff that um, uh, has made me a little prickly and vulnerable to yeah. that last week. Yeah. And for what it's worth, like when Dan and I were talking about preparing this podcast and we, Dan explained kind of what's been going on, I completely agree that we we're right not to explore that stuff this episode and maybe come back to it another time um so even if dan had been like yeah but i still really want to talk about it i think i would have maybe said well why don't we leave it <laughs> so it's not it's uh yeah we we're both on the same page that now's not the best time for us to have that conversation um awesome. thank you now naming it is going to do weird things because all of the people who listen are going to be like what's going on like their imagination <laughs> will run wild and they'll think something terrible has happened but like nothing terrible dropped- has happened no, no, it hasn't. So, and I've like, yeah, just dropped some mystery bomb in the middle of the podcast now, haven't I? Yeah, and it's a mystery bomb that will never um, be answered, never explode. I mean, feel free to fantasize about what that could be, but it's nothing. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it, go nuts. It's something horrendous has not happened. Um, I guess I feel like I ought to say something else about it now. <laughs> um, so, I don't I think, think you, I don't think you need to. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I should be still. Like I, um, I guess just when friend, <laughs> now we're getting like into. You're the just going to tell the story now. <laughs> yeah, the story so, that we agreed was best left this, untold. Yeah, this bloody knobhead said uh, no. It was, it was <laughs> nothing. It's just um, I, and I will talk about this next time. But like making friends as an adult, particularly male friends, is quite. I feel quite insecure about and get very vulnerable um, in, in the middle of doing it and have, and, and making friends. And then if um, external sources or people kind of, um, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, but like have an impact or wedge their thoughts and opinions into that. I don't I feel like I'm creating even more of a mystery by saying <laughs> trying to say something. This is fascinating more. to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like you're just like watching on. me like self-destruct. Um, <laughs> like I think of... I think yeah let's I think yeah yeah we need to you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Um I um, think I do I feel like my brain was about to self-destruct in trying to do something with that. Then um, nothing bad has happened. Um, just is the conversation I think will be better placed in a month's time. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, um, so that's why this episode maybe feels a little bit kind of floaty because we didn't have, we normally, well, normally we're only on episode four, but the past two episodes, we've had a couple of questions from listeners that have kind of steered the the conversation and this month quite quite late in the day we decided not to go for one of those so we just decided let's just kind of chat chat away and kind of see see what comes up i like the description of floaty though maybe that's the title tim floaty joy yeah uh yeah yeah is that i think that's okay <laughs> it doesn't have to be floaty joy. i feel weird about floaty joy somehow i don't know why it just feels what, odd. what 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 do you what does that conjure up floaty for you or like floaters Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, don't call it that now. Like yeah, yeah. Pooey Joy. Yeah, now I've now I've really ruined it for everybody. Oh no, I wasn't thinking of Pooey Joy. Well, yeah. Well, 
that's what I was. <laughs> that's well, where my mind is. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, yeah. but but having said that, it's been a bit floaty stroke pooey. Um, I <laughs> but there was something that came up earlier, which we moved on from. But actually, I thought I, I want to unpack that a little bit. When you read Kim's email, yeah. uh, and you talked about the kind of awkwardness about receiving compliments. Um, and that's something which I've been kind of aware of um, recently with 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 work more than anything else. Because um, I think we have a tendency, I don't mean you and me, I think culturally we have a tendency to bat compliments away, you know? So like, whether it's like, I like your top and it's like, oh, what this whole thing? Or whether it's like, I think you're really, really excellent at your job. Dan's holding up a Spice World hoodie right now. Um, or whether it's something like, you know, I think you're amazing at your job or I think you have great skills with people or whatever. And we tend to kind of get a, a little bit kind of like, oh, well, you know, I just, I, I, I do what I do. Anyone could do it really like that kind of thing. Um, and I've been aware of that recently because I've had quite like, I've had lots of compliments about my role as a hospital chaplain this past month, which is really nice. Um, and I'm actually even be beginning to believe some of them, which is also really nice. Like, Hey, maybe I actually am all right at this job. Um, but there's also like a part of me that wants to kind of, I guess maybe there's an anxiety about if I accept this compliment, then that raises people's expectations of me. And then from there, I can only disappoint. Do you know what I mean? So like, mm if somebody says you're really good at your job and I say, thanks very much. Yeah. I think I am quite good at my job actually. Then the next time that I'm slightly shit at my job, which will happen. Um, then it's kind of like, Oh fuck. And everybody thought that I was really good at it. And I kind of felt this way a lot when I first started the job and I'm really conscious of like how this sounds when I say it, because we're so anxious about compliments. But when I first started as a hospital chaplain, Everybody who knows me, who talked to me about it, without exception, I think including you, mm. said some variation on the theme of this is a job which you're made for. Like, you'll be really good at this. You've got this in your DNA. Like, it's it's something that has your name kind of all over it. And I remember talking to my parents in the first week of having started that job when I felt completely just to reiterate job is hospital chaplaincy. So lots of lots of very heavy emotional stuff comes up every day kind of at work and in that first week feeling completely overwhelmed by like how emotionally and mentally demanding the job is how tired I was you know all that kind of stuff I remember talking to my parents and saying like but everyone's expectations of me are so high everyone feels you know everyone's saying that you know I'll be so good at this and I feel like you know every time someone texts me to say hey great news about the job how's it going then I'm kind of letting them down when I reply and say, actually, I'm just fucking scared most of the time. You know, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Um, but I, I'm getting to the point now where when people ask me about my job, I can say in sincerity, like in all honesty, look, it's really hard. It's the hardest job I've ever done, but it's really meaningful. And I think I'm good at it. Um, and like trying to have the confidence to say that without kind of, I don't know, like I say, we've just got this kind of cultural like thing about not blowing our own horns or whatever, but 
yeah, just kind of being able to admit that. Yeah, I think I think I'm I think I am good at it, and that doesn't mean that there will be days when I'm bad at it. There will be days when I'm bad at it, and there'll be days when I feel overwhelmed by it or whatever. Um, yeah, I lost track of my train of thought there. <laughs> that bit about there's days where you'll be bad at it, or what? what I, I think they're also the things that make you good at it. You know that you you mm. because what you're doing is being a human being. Your your role is about being a human being um, yeah. with other human beings, which you know my, I'd say about psychotherapy as well. You know, the human. My job is about being a human being with other human beings, and um, and the fact that we would struggle to say we're good at that is. Is, is interesting anyway but I think that to say that we've got flaws there and vulnerabilities and times where we won't always get it right is part of what makes us good at that stuff I think and um like receiving compliments I don't think I'm flat out bad at receiving compliments it depends what the compliment is about and uh if it uh targets like my identity or something I'm doing and something so if I if someone said you're a good okay, let's take my job, you're a good psychotherapist. I would fully embrace that because that's one thing where I will say I'm good at that. I mm. I, I know I'm good at that. Um, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of reasons I know I'm I'm good at it, uh, particularly hearing from people who I work with, um, like direct, like clients and young people. And I, and I know, you know, we get some, so I know that's the thing I'm good at. If someone said, like in Kim's email, um, I make that hip hop dance class but and I'm good at dancing that doesn't sit right for me and mm. it's like well I don't consider myself to make that class better for anybody I don't consider myself to be particularly good at it I know I've got like a sense of rhythm because I'm a musician as we uh, all agreed earlier I know I can do things like on a beat and in time like so in some respects that makes dancing like a thing I can fundamentally look like I'm getting kind of right because I can do things in time but I don't think I'm good at it so when someone says that it doesn't quite fit right so it depends what it what it is and whether it fits or not um in the same way that I guess if someone was to criticize something or challenge something that I was to do if it fit I will embrace the challenge and criticism and in some ways that can be quite unhealthy sometimes when you feed your own like negative narrative about Mm. yourself but then if it doesn't fit, I know I can get super defensive about a criticism or a challenge if it doesn't fit for me. And I can, I'm much better now at being able to re- reflect on that quite quickly and, and take a breath and a moment and see where that criticism or challenge is coming from and who it's coming from. And does it matter where it's coming from? Do I invest in the person it's coming from? We touched on a bit of this when we were pre-re- uh, pre-record pre today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the same way, compliments and challenges and criticisms like depends what they are targeting and whether that fits for us as a human being. If you said you're a really good Spice Girls fan, I'd be like, yeah, yeah I, fucking, I fucking am. Yeah. yeah, the best I know. The best, <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but something else that you might think about me or, or say might not fit, and then it's like, oh, that's. And then when you do get compliments like that, you do think, oh. Do, does that person, why doesn't that fit? And why doesn't that person know that that's not going to fit? And are they telling me for a good intent anyway, even though they know it's, there's so many like little nuances to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's some like, like occasionally I'll get a compliment or a criticism that 
I just disagree with that I think no you you're wrong about that like you've just said I'm good at this but I I I don't think I'm being self-deprecating I really think you're wrong I don't think I am good at that or the opposite you know if it's a, a criticism um but there's yeah there's something about the the stories we tell about ourselves you know like our, our own sense of identity and what we tell ourselves that we're good and we're bad at and that kind of thing but I think, I guess I think that we're, we're taught, I think, from quite a young age to focus on the things that we're bad at. Mm. Um, and when you say something about something that you're good at, people will kind of, I don't know, there's a kind of like, well, you know, don't, don't be arrogant, you know, there's no, no need to show off, you know, that kind of thing. Um and yeah, I think it's much harder to kind of be real about the things that we're good at, the things that we're bad at. But actually there's a real freedom in like, like you just said, you know, that that feeling of like, if someone tells you you're a good psychotherapist going like, yeah, I am. Not that you would necessarily respond that way, but having that as a thought process, you know, like accepting the compliment because you know it to be true. It fits in with the story that you tell yourself. Um, and I think lots of people, myself included, really struggle to do that um, yeah. no and I, I but also so i'm trying to catch a fly um so also that's really interesting for people listening i know um <laughs> catch a fly um but yeah the stories we, <laughs> yeah, um <laughs> the stories we tell ourselves but also the stories we have been told about ourselves from a young age um and yeah. maybe that's from culture and society but also quite directly from family friends teachers whoever that might be and if you are told I mean I had some horrible stories narratives given about me which I still sometimes think and mm-hmm. feel because like if you're told them at such an early age you internalize that and it's really difficult to change that narrative I think it's possible um I, like 10 years ago I wouldn't have said yes I'm a good psychotherapist for example I just wouldn't like I just, yeah. I've just i done a lot of it sounds really kind of trite sometimes but um I've done a lot of work on that. I've taken, you know, but I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there, I, I will tell myself different things about myself, like different narratives that uh, start to fit. Uh, and I think I think we spoke about pride on here. Or was that on your podcast? I think it might have been more in your podcast when we talked about pride. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it was. But I, the lessons I learned very early on were not to feel pride um, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, about myself or who I am or anything and I've I'm sad that it's taken me 38 years to get to this place but like starting to feel way more proud of who I am what I do the things I'm good at recognizing my vulnerabilities all of those kinds of things um yeah so yeah so I guess the stories you are told and the stories that you embrace I think there's something it, it ties in with the whole like we still, even though Britain is a, I think what you would call a secular country. I mean, technically, you know, the queen is head of the church. T- technically, it probably is a religious country, but actually in terms of the way people live their lives, I think it's primarily a secular country, but we still have this overhang of like the Protestant work ethic. Do you know what I mean? That your identity is defined by your misery, basically, you know, if you're not working hard and not making yourself miserable then you're not really contributing to society, you know, then uh, what are you, what are you, what's your worth? And it's your fault. It's your fault. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and coupled with that is lots of 
kind of pseudo religious stuff about like you know pride comes before a fall you know that kind of stuff um and i mean there there is lots of stuff in certain translations of the bible that's quite critical of pride mm. um but i think that's a real real misunderstand like the way in which we're talking about it is such a fundamental misunderstanding about it because like a better word that we don't really use these days is vain glory, you know, which is like an outdated word, but that kind of idea of like self glorification in va- in vanity, you know, like vanity and that kind of thing, which is a different thing to what we're talking about, where actually knowing knowing what you're good at and being able to accept compliments because you know that you're good at it is actually in a weird way more humble than that kind of false humility of like oh no 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 i don't you know you, you yeah. couldn't i couldn't possibly say that about myself um because well, it's more authentic yeah no it is a vulnerable place i think to accept it and embrace it and say it as well and i think mm. what you've kind of got a tussle between shame and pride you know and if um a a criticism doesn't fit for you i think shame can quite quickly kick in yeah. about that and if you embrace it then oh that's something i'm proud of yeah so i think you've got this kind of spectrum between pride and shame um yeah 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 and and you can i'm really saying this for my own benefit rather than for anybody else's at this stage but like you can be good at something and still find something really hard like Mm. me beginning to believe that maybe i'm quite good at being a hospital chaplain isn't the same as me going, yeah, do it with my eyes closed, piece of cake. Mm-hmm. It, anyone could do it. It's a walk in the park. Um, Cause it's still like, I would say half the days, there's something that comes up, which I feel completely overwhelmed by. Like, I don't know how I'm going to manage this. This is a lot to ha- handle and that kind of stuff. So it's not, it's not saying like, like that's the vain, the, the vain glory thing is kind of like, look, I'll do this with my eyes closed, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Whereas actually there's a humility and a vulnerability, as you said, in saying, yeah, I think, I think I'm good. I think I've got the, like the DNA for this. I've got the building blocks for this. And I, I am going to find it hard, but I'm going to stick with it being hard because I think I'm good at it, you know? And I'll, yeah. And I'll stumble and get things wrong. And that's, you know, part of, I I do think that's part of being good at it. You know, it's that it, yeah. stumbling and, and acknowledging that and I was thinking about my own role while you were talking about that as a, like yes I always say I'm a good psychotherapist I know I got something wrong in a session this week with a client and we were able to talk about it and do something really useful with that and mm. repair whatever rupture kind of that that caused and but that's part of being good at that as well is is being aware that oh I've got that wrong I can repair that yeah um, and, and put that either right or, or move forward with that and, and, you know, swallow it up into the relationship and what we do. I don't know. I think, yeah, like stumbling and kind of getting it wrong, whatever that means for people is part of getting it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's the, there's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which I will get wrong if I try to explain it in too much detail. So I'd encourage people to Google it, but basically it's saying that, your your initial confidence when you start something as a novice isn't 
kind of necessarily the same as your ability. So the the Dunning-Kruger effect is basically saying when you start something as a novice, you'll often have loads of confidence, like how hard can this be? And then as you get more experienced in it, your confidence goes down actually, because you get to, you, you increasingly think like, shit, there's so much stuff here that I haven't thought about that I haven't dealt with before that kind of stuff. And then as you carry on getting more and more experience, gradually your confidence, it makes like a U shape, the confidence line, your confidence will begin to increase again. And so you end up, the final destination is basically having as much confidence as you did at the start. Hmm. But you have to go through that kind of like that dip in your kind of confidence to, yeah, like learning about what the job actually is before you can get back to that level of initial confidence, which was misplaced at the beginning. It was misplaced confidence. Um, And they're saying lots of people end up stuck in that high confidence, low skill level when they don't have healthy, good, critical feedback. And that's not to say people who tell them that they're shit, but people who can tell them honestly, this was really good when you did that. This maybe needs a little bit of work. Let's talk about that. Let's work on that. And that's why you end up with people like Donald Trump in the White House, because you get people who think that they're really good at stuff because they don't have people around them telling them, actually, you should work on that. That wasn't great, what you just did. I was reading something about that kind of phenomenon um, either yesterday or this morning. And um, yeah, about people, someone was saying they think, oh, maybe Donald Trump just didn't get enough hugs as a kid, you know, just needed more love. And like, that's quite a, maybe that's true. But actually, it's probably like almost the opposite If he was probably put on such a pedestal and told he was almost like godlike and, you know, under, and got so much that feels kind of, uh, yeah like he is um yeah, yeah. So i think you i guess i just also want to acknowledge within all of that the ability to find joy in things that you're not good at being okay if it's not your job i guess like it's um so i didn't go to hip-hop dance class thinking i'd be really good at it. i wanted to find something i enjoyed and, mm. and, and and so doing things that you can enjoy and not having to be good at it and not putting the pressure on yourself to be good at it yeah um, getting the joy out of it anyway yeah absolutely yeah out of the doing we've got i mean we're 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 an hour in um and this kind of ties into what we were talking about but we we normally end by asking each other what's brought brought us so tim i've got a question for you um so can you can can you let me know (laughs) and let our wonderful listeners know um, what has brought you joy since our last episode well dan i'm glad you asked um because it's very relevant to what we were just talking about um i so one of the things about hospital chaplaincy which i wasn't prepared for when i started this job is uh dealing with basically babies dying um or stillborn babies or whatever and dealing with all of the emotions around that and chaplains hospital chaplains have to do um baby funerals quite regularly more regularly than we have to do adult funerals because by the time you're an adult generally you have community family friends maybe your own church that kind of stuff and that happens outside of the hospital but for for babies who die that tends to be taken care of by us and so i've been to a few baby funerals since i started the job just as an observer just as a kind of like let's see what this looks like and how to do it and every one of them i found quite overwhelming very emotionally tough you know i cried at each of them um, and needed to needed some kind of time to get myself together before I could kind of go back to work. And this past Thursday, I 
I got I I, was, I led my own baby funeral, so that that was one where where I was presiding at the funeral, where I was the kind of the person in not in charge, but the person holding the service together. And I was super nervous about it, and it feels weird to bring that up after you've just asked me what's brought me joy, because obviously it's such a difficult time for everybody. But it did bring me joy in a weird way because I, so my manager was there to support me, which I'm really grateful for. And, you know, the, the idea was if I get to any point in the service where I feel like I can't do it, I can give her a nod and she can come and take over and we'll make it look seamless and like it was deliberate. Um, so she was there just kind of to support me, but then the family arrived and I had spoken to the family a little bit and I, you know, over the phone kind of making arrangements and that kind of stuff. And I greeted the family and we talked for a while outside of the crematorium and I clocked that they had a teenage daughter who had never been to a funeral before. So I kind of, cause I've been a youth worker for all of my life until I started this job, basically. And I kind of got into the mode of, my role here is to create a safe space for this family and to show them that it's not kind of scary that funerals are okay and that sadness is okay and that kind of thing and I led the service and at one point there was a moment where I went to go and kind of stand by the coffin and put my hand on the coffin while I was kind of addressing the family and it was very like a deliberate like this is really sad and really really upsetting but you don't need to be scared of it it's safe it's safe here every aspect of this is safe even the thing that's making us most sad um and I held it together and I think it kind of like during the whole thing, there was obviously a part of me that was going like, is this okay? Am I doing this right? And that kind of thing. But then afterwards I just got the, just the most amazing feedback. So from the funeral director who was there, you know, he was just absolutely singing my praises about how lovely and sensitively I'd let it and that kind of stuff. And then my manager told me afterwards that she had cried during the service because of how proud of me she was. And most importantly, the family came and spoke to me afterwards and said that they really appreciated how I'd made a safe space for them and that kind of stuff. And, and it just like, it was just a real, like, it's weird to say because it was such a sad kind of event for everybody, you know, myself included, you know, you, you feel the grief of the people around you, but I left kind of almost buzzing a little bit because I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. I can do this job, actually. Yeah, maybe I'm good at this job. And that was one of the moments where it kind of, I just began to feel like it's not, this isn't, this will never be an easy job. There's no point at which this job will become easy. But I just moved a little bit further along that scale of like feeling like this experience has just given me a little bit more confidence. And I think justified confidence that maybe I can do this. And there is a real, real joy, and I think I spoke about this last time, in creating a safe space for people who are facing the hardest thing they've ever faced in their life. You know, there's a real, like, it's such a privilege, like, and privilege with a capital P, like, that I can share this moment with you and that you're trusting me to create, like, to make this space safe for you and to hold you guys in this time. Um, so that took a long time. But that's the thing that brought me joy in this past month. And like I say, it's kind of a weird thing to say because it's a sad thing, but it really did bring me joy. And the support of my manager and the family and the funeral director and everything was uh, was amazing, really. So, yeah, that's my joy story for this month. I feel quite overwhelmed by that. Um, I guess I want to say, like, I'm super proud of you for doing it, having done that as well. Um, that's 
amazing, heartbreaking, devastating. Um, yeah, and I can see why you've chosen that though as well. And um, I, that's like a beautiful thing in such a dark moment as well. It's all of the, it's, it's everything, isn't it? It's everything. Yeah, it is. It is. That's that's a really good way. Like uh, so often, this job feels like. It, it, for that for the person who you're with at the moment the family the you know whatever the person on the hospital bed this is their everything this is all that they have right now um and yeah, yeah like i say it's such a privilege to to sit with them in their everything um so yeah thanks man thanks for saying that no you're welcome that's it is and i think that's yeah that everything is a good maybe a good word for that yeah it's all the feelings all the things all the thoughts it's um yeah dark light beautiful ugly joyful sad desperate yeah it's, it's every, it is it's everything isn't it yeah yeah and and in the sense that for for the family everything else has faded into insignificance yeah. do you know what i mean like the rest of the world is keeping on moving but that is something they're not even aware of right now because this moment is everything that they have right now this like this all-encompassing thing um so it is yeah it's really really very powerful and it gave me yeah like i say it gave me a real buzz which is a weird thing to say and i almost hope i don't see why they would but i almost hope that the family don't listen to this because i wouldn't want them to hear me saying that i got a buzz out of this kind of sad thing no i got a buzz out of creating a safe space for them basically i also think if they listened it'd be all right to me because i think you've you've not just said i did this funeral and it gave me a buzz you know you've given all the context yeah yeah. narrative about what's what all that process was and it makes a lot of sense i think so i i don't think there's any would be any misunderstanding about what you're what you're saying in all of that um thanks for sharing that that's cool yeah that was um yeah, that's the one thing I knew I was going to talk about on this episode. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Um, Dan, what's brought you joy this month? I don't know. I feel I feel really still overwhelmed by that that story. <laughs> Tim. I um, you've left me feeling really. Um, I've got like a cold temperature about me, and it's not because I feel cold or sad. Like I just you've it's almost like a goosebumpy cold feeling you've like left me with. There's a like, like how let's go back to everything how everything that feels i think um just wow um i will answer your question though um <laughs> yeah. take it take your time <laughs> um i don't i have got a few things i know um so there's a thing there's two things that i think are linked together that i will try and succinctly well as succinctly as possible say um so in the last month, um, I had uh, on a Saturday, I had um, like one of the darkest feeling days I feel like I've had in, in a few years. Mm-hmm. And I woke up with it in a really, really scary place. It reminded me of a place I was at a few years ago, which I've talked about before in terms of like a lower point in my eating disorder before recovery. And it reminded me of that feeling. I, I didn't particularly have any thoughts to act on anything, but like I was, it scared me a lot because I've just not felt this overwhelming thing for so long so I reached out to which is not something I I do very often or would have done historically reached out to a few people 
it, um, and I don't want to leave anybody out of this now, but like the, mainly the the important men in my life, um, one of them being you, Tim, mm-hmm. um, uh, my friend Tom, and my friend Phil, and also my husband Greg very much noticed I wasn't okay and gave me what I needed as as well. There were other people as well, um, a couple of other um, female friends that really grounded me and helped me with some stuff. But what was what really held me that day was the men in my in my life and giving me different things back from what I was reaching out for in 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 the and so you gave me something particular in a message someone else Tom gave me something different Phil gave me something different and all of those things that I needed combined into like everything that I needed then mm-hmm. that day and and Greg my husband noticing and just kind of telling like holding me and just telling me he loved me is what I needed yeah. um, and so everyone gave me a different version of something that fit together and like the the joy that that brought me, a in reaching out, you know, I was like, I'm, I was quite pleased with myself for doing that, um, and then for receiving, oh, there's these, because I don't know, I don't really want to go too much into this, but like, I don't even know what I'm going to say with it now, but like men. We'll get onto it when we talk about uh, friendships with men and like and yeah. forming friendships with men next time, maybe. But that's not a particularly easy thing for me, and men haven't been someone I feel are safe people in the world before. Mm-hmm. So to have the men in my life give me the, these things in such a raw, emotional, vulnerable, lovely, supportive way was so amazing. Um, and the thing that that then links to is um, my friend uh, Phil, like also quoted uh, Rufus Wainwright song, uh, a lyric to me, uh, which I love. The lyric is, um, I'm no Hercules, but this is Herculean. Um, and yeah. uh, and then on the Tuesday that week, I went to see Rufus Wainwright with Phil in concert. So we saw, and then we that lyric was then like sung live as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gave me, I mean, that gave me such a buzz. I will say the whole concert gave me such a buzz. See, we were right near like the front and seeing, I've never seen Rufus Wainwright live before. I've loved him for years and years and years. And um, I felt things about Rufus Wainwright. I didn't think I felt. Um, <laughs> yeah, you um, mentioned that in a text message. <laughs> um, it was very exciting. And um, <laughs> I had lots of different strange fantasies that like he would invite me up on stage and we'd write a song together um <laughs> and it would be brilliant and um so that so yeah just the, that was kind of linked and i had so much joy through that and that saturday and then also the feelings i had on that saturday i was held and then it shifted and, I, and sunday i was fine and knowing that it also brought me a lot of joy so yeah that that would be mine for this month mm-hmm. That's so awesome, thank you though. for being part of that yeah that's a no that's a it's a privilege and i, th- I think i'm um, i mean I don't even know if this needs mentioning, but it, I, I love the fact that we've got that kind of friendship. Um, there was a day at work, as you remember, a couple of weeks ago where I felt really overwhelmed and I just needed someone to talk to. And I picked up the phone and we chatted for a little while and that really, really helped me. So I'm really grateful for that. And again, we'll come to this in another episode, but I have struggled to have those kinds of conversations with men as well. Historically, it's tended to be uh, women who I lean on for emotional support more than men. So I'm yeah, I don't know why that is, but I'm grateful. And I'm grateful also that we can, like, you know, on the surface of it, a podcast that's talking about joy 
could be really twee, couldn't it? And it could be really yeah. kind of, I don't know, like one of those um, Charlie Mackesy comics, which I hate. I find them so twee. <laughs> we can talk about that another episode, um, all about how easy life is. <laughs> um, but uh, I love the fact that both of our stories that we've just shared were rooted in something quite frightening, quite dark, mm. quite upsetting. Um, and that gives me real hope, actually, that, you know, joy there's a great in the movie of where the wild things are which is one of my favorite movies i love it so much there's this awesome line in it which i might get slightly wrong but it's something to the effect of sometimes being happy isn't the best way to be happy and to me what that says is we think we need to do fun stuff light stuff you know maybe twee stuff and dan's just got the book of where the wild things are such a great book such a great movie too um but that actually we can, there is such a thing as happiness, as joy in times of unhappiness and in times of sadness and in dark times. Um, and that's, I mean, I think that's really, really reassuring. Uh, I, I could get all religious about it, but I won't for now. Please don't, because let's leave, it, let's leave it <laughs> where the wild things are. Because that's, I, and I, I, I mean, I do love the book and I've got it and I've, I've read it a lot and with uh, kids in therapy as well I'll read it sometimes but like the movie I love what the movie expands in it and, yeah. and does with the story and yeah exactly what you just said I think it's a I definitely would recommend people watch that film it's um, so good it makes me cry every time oh, it's um, incredible. and I once showed it to a friend who didn't get it and that was one of the most upsetting things because I was like sharing this thing that meant so much with him and he was like yes all right I don't I don't, it's not really my cup of tea. <laughs> I was, oh, just, like, oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> that hurts sometimes. It doesn't, it's like, how, be your my friend and you don't get this thing. Like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. How can you not understand? <laughs> <laughs> he's well, an excellent friend if he's listening. I love him. He just went on the same page with that movie. I mean, maybe one day he will be. Yeah, maybe one day he'll grow up. <laughs> <laughs> one day he'll be given his tea and he'll run away to this forest and experience some wild things himself yeah 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 <laughs> maybe you need to have met the wild things in your life um to, yeah to he has like i, I don't want to yeah i don't wanna I, I, I was just friend. gonna be some like do some floaty bullshit with that um <laughs> pooey bullshit um yeah that's the word so do we need to do our like synchronized um Yes, we do. But first of all, let's say thank you for listening. And please do send us your thoughts, whether it's feedback or whether it's areas that you'd like us to cover in future episodes of the podcast. If you have questions or thoughts or interesting things for us to cover. Um, thank you to the people who have written to us already. We, we Just because we haven't covered your theme yet doesn't mean that we won't. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything, isn't it? All of that. And I'm really grateful for anybody that gives us any feedback or writes in. And if you don't as well, I'm really grateful that you uh, are listening. So, um, yeah, thank you. Okay. You ready for our synchronized sign off? Do you remember what we say? Yeah. Okay. Do you? Yeah. I remember things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, My insecurities. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. In three, two, one. You've got God. a friend yes. in us. I, I wasn't feeling that. Do you want to try again? You've got a friend in us. All right, hang on. I, did, I have to do the countdown. Okay, three, two, one. 
You've got a friend in us.